Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. I'm feeling good. England have won, and I've won a tenner off Simon Mann. We had a bet last night, uh, and actually the match was in the balance, and I think probably it was a risky bet to imagine that England were going to win that game. I felt the odds were against them. 277 to win in the last innings on a difficult pitch. A highest score chasing uh, a target of 294 once back in uh, 15 years ago against New Zealand. And also the evidence of the third day that 244 runs were scored for 14 wickets lost in the match. So really 277 did seem a stretch too far for England. And at 130 for five, I'm sure, Simon, you thought your money was safe. Well, 117 for five it was when Ollie Pope was out to a, that brute of a, a ball by Shaheen Afridi. And, but a stranger, of course, that was what galvanised England because they decided, right, if we just hang around here, we're just going to get knocked over. We've got to play some shots. And it worked. Uh, um, it was a victory to confound expectations, really, and also sort of like the natural flow of a, a cricket match. You know, England, it was their highest run chase in Test cricket against a non Antipodean team. They've had nine higher run chases against New Zealand and Australia, but never against other opposition. It was in a, on a pitch that was sort of subcontinental, really. Everything seemed in Pakistan's favour. And yet, somehow or other, from 117 for five and from nowhere, England have won an incredible victory. And it was compelling to watch uh, with two players who, well, one of whom is, is not really uh, that uh, sort of well renowned uh, outside the England camp, someone who is a, a sort of unobtrusive cricketer, really, Chris Wokes, but yet does the job day in, day out without complaining and, and just fits into whatever England need. And the other man, Joss Butler, who was under a bit of a cloud, uh, maybe unfairly, because although he's his keeping hasn't been great and he's missed a few chances, actually his batting has been reasonably consistent. And those two came together... And and they just turned the game totally. And I think, you know, clearly they were motivated by the fact that the new ball was probably 30 overs away and that would really change the game. So, interestingly, you know, Joss Butler sort of talking afterwards said, but they actually more or less focused on it as a one-day chase, trying to get as close as they could by the time 80 overs were up so that they didn't need more than sort of 15 to 20 runs 
to chase. And I think sometimes, clearly, maybe Butler is one of those players who he prefers to know what the target is rather than batting in an open-ended way in the early stages of a Test match where you know you can't really know what is a good score. But when you know what the target is, and that's very much what a one-day cricketer does, that's where their expertise is really challenged and the ones that are able to deal with the sort of mental and, and physical pressure of a run chase come out on top. That's his sort of area. And until he got out near the end, he prevailed. Well, he came in, or they came together, at 117 for five in the 45th over. So they had... 35 overs to go until the new ball. Victory target was 277. And when the new ball was taken, England needed 13 to win. So that, that plan worked. I mean, it was, I, think, I think you've got to sort of take a step back, though. I think it was, right, if we just hang around here, there is going to be a ball that's going to come down with our name on it. We need to take the attack to Pakistan. So I think that was the first thought. And then gradually, as the innings progressed, it became right. We need to get as close to the victory target before the new ball is taken. Because the last thing we want is a new ball with sort of 40 to win, perhaps, and you know, three, four wickets left. And then it suddenly becomes in favour of the bowling side because a new ball can do so much damage. But they, they, they batted superbly. I mean, this has got to be... I know Chris Wokes made 100 against India at Lords, but um, this has got to be his best test inning, surely. A, a match-winning innings, I mean, un, under extreme pressure. And the way he played as well, that's the other thing. Uh, there was nothing fluky about it. Well, perhaps there was something fluky about it, and that was the winning hit. There was an edge <laughs> down to the third-man boundary before, but before that, he timed the ball superbly. Some of his offside play was magnificent. It was, I think it was, it was the crispest innings I've ever seen Chris Wokes play. And, you know, uh, you're right, he's an un- unsung hero, but he's been magnificent with the ball all summer, taking his wickets, you know, really skinnily in the, in the low teams all summer. You know, he's been getting batsmen out. He took four for 54 in this match, and now a match-winning innings actually after a very few runs recently he's, he's been really struggling for runs so it was, it was it, in many ways it was such a victory against the odds for England yes uh, Chris Wokes uh, actually interestingly uh, he is unobtrusive and you know maybe in another era when you don't have an Anderson and a Broad and a Stokes who are so dominant and so successful he might be one of England's most treasured all-rounders and one of England's most treasured sportsmen, really. But because of those characters who tend to dominate the headlines, he he sort of rather sails along under the radar. But actually, you know, I looked up his stats today, 85 wickets at home in Test cricket at an average of 22, which is even better than either Anderson or Broad. Uh, obviously, away from home, he's less successful. You factor in his batting too. He is a genuine all-rounder. Uh, he proved that today with with the match-winning innings. Man of the match, deservedly so. And after the match, Joe Root was fulsome in his praise of Wokes. He's so consistent. You know, on and off the field, you watch his performances. He generally is very consistent. He's very reliable. Um, mentioned it in the test match when we were talking about Ben. He's missed. He's missed a dependable. He's someone that you can always. Um, trust that he will he will deliver exactly what what you want. And I think actually over time and over the last couple of years in particular, he's he's improving, um, and and he's become even more consistent. And his bowling's almost another level this this last year. Again, a bit more exposure. I think he got a lot of confidence from performing well in uh, abroad this this winter. Um, and his his record at home speaks for itself. But 
you look at the competition for places, it, you can you can say that about anyone um, in terms of our bowling department. There's, there's so many guys that continually put their hands up. It's always going to be a headache. But one thing you know you're going to get from Chris is consistency in the way he handles himself in and around the dressing room and his performances out on the field. I think the thing about Chris Wokes is that, I mean, he is unobtrusive, isn't he? He, he is sort of quiet and reserved. You know, he doesn't, he's, not, he's not an exuberant sort of character. He's just an incredibly disciplined and talented cricketer. You know, the, he, he has the epithet, the nicest man in cricket. And I've worked with him a bit. He's done some commentary on BBC Radio with me. And, you know, he, he is a, he's a pleasure to work with. He is, he is a, a gentle man. And, you know, he, he doesn't have that same sort of image of, you know, as, as Stokes, you're right, or, or Jimmy Anderson. He, he just gets on with the job. And he, in English conditions, he is a high-class performer. Do you think um, with the hairband now, that's, that's made all the difference? It's sort of, it's given a new perspective on Chris Wokes, uh, a man with a beard and a, and a sort of Alice band. You, 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 you think of him as... Not Mr. Boring exactly, but because that's that's rude. But but someone who's who's fairly conventional and and someone who is you know unobtrusive, not not someone who shouts and screams and wants to do anything controversial. Perhaps that just that just that little bit of uh, something different, which he's been forced to do this year because obviously he's had no time to get the hairdressers, has just you know raised his profile a bit. Well, he started growing the beard in New Zealand, actually, and, and it became a bit of a story. You know, Chris Wokes, clean-cut Chris Wokes, you <laughs> yeah. know, has got a beard. So it, it, it sort of had its own momentum. And then, of course, the, you know, with, with COVID lockdown, he wasn't able to get his hair cut, the, you know, the, the Alice band, and, you know, he looks her suit out on the field. Uh, what, it's what's inside, of course, that's, the, you know, the key. And he's got that sort of forensic attitude uh, to bowling, he's he's really so disciplined, and he's been superb for England this summer. He's having one of his you know best summers, and today with the bat, one of those golden days. Really, you don't get many of those in your career to to win a game like this. Uh, England's highest run chase against a, an Asian team, and I think that's the other point to make to emphasise, Yoz, in in subcontinental conditions. Really, you know, hot, hot weather in Manchester over the weekend, and also a very dry pitch. And I know for a fact that England are not were not happy with the surface they were playing Pakistan on. You know, you you think uh, when you go to Pakistan or when you play in the UAE, do you play on a you know a green top that you know that starts damp and is green? No, of course you don't. You play in conditions that generally speaking, suit the, the home side. And I think England felt that these conditions at Old Trafford really suited Pakistan. Of course, they won an important toss as well. So to win a test match in those conditions as well, I think just emphasises how well England played today. I mean, it's an interesting game when you look back at it. I mean, for large parts of the match, England were outplayed or, or outmaneuvered, but somehow, somehow they were able to force their way back into the game and that partnership did it today I thought Root and Sibley played pretty well but but also of course I think Pakistan we mentioned this last night we talked about it when Pakistan look back they'll look back on their second innings as well and think yeah we frittered away too many wickets England, England didn't bowl tremendously well to bowl them out for 169 or have them 137 for 8 overnight it, it, you know, it wasn't as if England were blowing them away there were too many wickets lost to unfortunate incidents or poor shots, really. You know, the run out of Shafiq we talked about, the shot of Abidali caught at deep mid-wicket, just chucking his wicket away. You know, the, perhaps the unfortunate dismissal of Shan Masood caught down the leg side. You know, there, were, there were too many wickets that you know, Pakistan weren't quite tough enough, I think, in their, 
in their second innings. And if they had been, then you know England's target would have been greater, and it would have been you know so much more difficult. But you know, tremendous credit to England. It was a great game of cricket as well. That's the other point. And it's it, yeah, it's fantastic to have a game like this to to watch and and see build up over you know one, two, three, four days and have a you know not it didn't quite have that sort of headingly climax in the end. It, it felt sort of inevitable by the end but it, it, it was tense it really was a tense day at Old Trafford today it was, a, it was a shame that there wasn't a big crowd to see it because you know they would have absolutely loved it you know if you had full house at Old Trafford today or big crowd on a Saturday sunny Saturday at Old Trafford you know it, it, it would have been a tremendous atmosphere Well done uh, to, to Joss Butler as well for sort of fighting his uh, you know, gremlins uh, must have been on his shoulder, uh, pe- feeling that he hadn't uh, done his job with the with the gloves and had let England down, and uh, you know, batted well in the first innings, dedicatedly without getting a big score, and then really turned the game today with that uh, aggressive approach. And you know, you, you you kind of almost run out of superlatives for some of those shots, reverse sweeping the leg spin from out of the rough for four behind the square, keeping it down. Uh, you know, hitting it off the middle of the bat. I mean, some of the shots he, he pulled off are remarkable and we've become so used to it now we don't exclaim about them anymore. But I, I'm really glad the selectors stuck with him because he is an X factor and I don't know anyone else who could have played that innings today, really. And that's what well, I suppose Ben Stokes could have. Uh, but but just to be able to, to have this, the range of shots and the confidence, really, to play the way he did and, and just to put the, the pressure back on the bowlers in, as you say, subcontinental conditions was, was a really wonderful thing to see. And funnily enough, Shane Warne is a big fan of Joss Butler and Shane Warne, of course, was at the game today commentating with Sky. There's something about their relationship. Uh, Warne really loves Butler and I think you know the feelings are sort of reciprocated and Butler, he's become a, a bit of a father figure, uh, Warne, to, to Butler in a way, giving him a bit more belief. So whether there's a, a link there at all where Butler just you know really kind of showed his his best side in this match with the bat anyway um just in in the presence of ward i suppose some pressure now on particularly azar ali uh pakistan captain number 3 batsman hasn't made too many runs in england previously struggling in this test match seems to have a an obvious technical flaw sort of falling over to the offside and getting lbw and they've now lost a, a critical game it's the first test match which he's had to handle as captain, which was which was a close run thing because most of his test matches as captain have been either massive defeats or fairly hefty uh, victories. This was the first one which was could have gone either way. So, I guess if he if he makes well, you know, p- p- uh, captains and coaches of Pakistan teams uh, tend to be uh, quickly discarded if there's a, a run of poor form. Well, the other thing as well, he's a, he's a relatively inexperienced captain. Even though he's an experienced player, and this was his 79th Test match, he's not actually captained them many times. And you know, today, it was a pressure situation for him. I mean, it was going swimmingly at one point. You know, 117 for five. You know, how can you possibly lose this match? And that's that's how it felt. You know, this could be over in half an hour, three quarters of an hour, type of thing. And then the pressure was reversed back on Pakistan, and there was that that area where he was trying to get through to the new ball and the field was back. He didn't want too many boundaries being scored. So England was just pushing ones. I mean, they scored over 50 singles as well. Think about the boundaries that Butler and Wokes scored. There were lots of singles. And, he, you know, he was talking about afterwards about how, yeah, perhaps we could have brought the field up and tried to squeeze the pressure. Uh, you know, that brings its own risk, of course, because Butler can hit over the top. But, of course, in trying to hit over the top, you know, there might be a miscue. So that, that was something to look at 
But as a, I mean, I think Pakistan will, you know, well, they'll go back to their hotel rooms uh, tonight and they'll think, oh, what an, what an opportunity we have missed in this test match. I mean, it's an excellent game of cricket, but th- this was Pakistan's game, surely. They had England on toast. I think England, even England thought that, you know, they were under pressure coming this morning. You know, just listening to Joe Root and Chris Wokes afterwards, you know, they were talking about you know, difficult surface and... Yeah, you know, we we always thought it was going to be difficult to to chase these runs. Uh, you know, they they un, they understood, you know, the the reality of, of Test match cricket on a surface like that. The fact they were sort of chuntering about the surface sort of privately as well, uh, it, it shows you where they thought they were. And you know, for them to beat Pakistan, it's, that's that's tough for Pakistan to take. And you know, you, 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 I do slightly fear for them. I think in in the last two Test matches of the series, West Indies were able to. To, you know, come and win, and that you know ultimately that didn't help them. England sort of steamrolled them in a couple of games. So England, you know, at home they're you know they have dropped the odd Test match here and there in in, in recent years, but it, I think it's going to be hard for Pakistan now. Although you know we talk about don't we the unpredictable nature of of Pakistani cricket? Well, I mean England are unpredictable as well. You just never you just never know what's <laughs> around the corner with them, do you? They're, they're playing Pakistan in their own game in that sense. I, I, what I do think is that they're using their one-day expertise very effectively in Test cricket. So you, you think back to Stokes and that brilliant win at Headingley, and now this game with Butler really showing his one-day repertoire, and Stokes, actually, to an extent as well. And Wokes, uh, actually, to an extent as well. Uh, you know, just showing the confidence that they've had in that one-day side, not just winning the World Cup, but winning, you know, tight games and ha- having a long run of success in a, playing a particular way, playing a positive way, playing in a way which says, well, you know, we, we, we take the calculated risk and, and get to sort of five, six and over, no no looking back, no regrets if it doesn't work sort of thing. So definitely employing that that one-day sort of mentality to, to make sure they can chase time targets what do they do now England the interesting thing is Stokes has bowled a couple of overs in this test match and probably with another four days or so of rest uh, he should be fit to bowl in the second test at the Aegeus Bowl starting on Thursday so England can now probably think about bringing uh, Zach Crawley back in at number three dropping everybody down one place which I think would probably give the batting order that just bit more solidity and 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 sort of um you know give give the batting order that bit more solidity which means one of the bowlers is going to have to miss out and if you look at the records of the bowlers uh, so far this summer broad and Wokes of the seamers have been the most successful and Anderson and, and Archer haven't so maybe one of them to miss out. Yeah, well, and also Ollie Robinson called in to the England squad uh, ahead of the second Test match. The Aegeus Bodies pulled out of Sussex's Bob Willis Trophy match to go to the Aegeus Bowl bubble and to sort of join that. So uh, you know, I wonder whether he is an option as well. You know, England have rotated this summer because of the back-to-back nature of the games. Although, of course, you know they barely bowled today, and they had an extra day off because of the fact the game was finished in in four days. So that that might help them in getting the same attack on the park on Thursday for the second Test match. So you know there are lots of options. A couple of other things as well. Uh, Ollie Pope was struck on the hand, a nasty blow, the one that dismissed him. Just listening afterwards, I mean, I, I've only not long come from listening to the you know, post-match interviews, I, I, so I, I don't know anything definite, but you know, there, there was sort of talk, you know, I hope, I hope he's OK, you know, because he was struck a nasty blow on the hand, so, you know, we'll, we'll have to sort of just see what happens there. 
And you know, Butler magnificent behind the stump, uh, magnificent with the bat, but behind the stumps, a really candid interview that he gave Jonathan Agnew on, on Test Match Special saying, you know, I didn't keep well enough. Uh, you know, I have to do better. You know, I, I totally understand. You know, it's not good enough when, when I, you know, I reprieve a bloke twice and he you know, goes on to score another 100 runs. So, you know, there, there's that, I suppose there's that, the wicket-keeping issue for England, which is, you know, put to bed by Butler's uh, batting today. You know, he's, he's not going to be dropped. Um, but, you know, that is, that's sort of like an ongoing issue for England, which will be expunged if Butler starts to, you know, take those chances. Because, of course, you know, with, with the bat, we know what he's capable of, and we, and we saw it today, you know, one of, it, one of his, one of his finest test innings so far. Well, well played England, and well played Pakistan too, actually, mm. uh, given they, they've come over here and haven't really had any proper match practice before this first test match. Uh, it certainly wasn't much to choose between the teams, and as you say, they could easily have, have won that first test match. England, though, triumphant, heading down to the Aegeus Bowl for the second test, which begins on Thursday. We will review the first day of that second test match as long as, Simon, your money is sent to me first. Otherwise, <laughs> you're not allowed to come on this programme anymore. So I hope the check's in the post. Oh, you, you know me, Yoz. I'll, I'll pay up. Well, I, well, I won't be able to see you before Thursday, but, you know, it's, it's metaphorically in the post. You don't, want, you don't want to actually put it in the post because it could get lost. The other thing as well, of course, on Thursday, uh, we'll be reviewing the first day's play as long as there is a first day's play. Uh, we, we haven't been that successful on having first day's play so far this summer because of the weather and, uh, you know, was heat building up. I, I, I see on, in the, on the horizon the possibility of some thunderstorms. So that's, that's another bonus ring that they've gone 1-0 up because who knows how much play we could get in Southampton. Let's hope we will. Let's hope we'll have another riveting test match because this was a, a fabulous game. And although, uh, you know, I'm going to have to pay up... Um, it, it was, you know, a hugely rewarding final day, and you know, fascinating to see it, the way England went about their victory. Okay, well, we'll speak to you later in the week. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.